the Minnesota Vikings have brought joy and misery to the Vikings fans for many years. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we just want to see the Vikings party with the Lombard. Join us for analysis, interviews, laughs, and much more. It's the podcast by Vikings fans for Vikings fans. The Skull Purple Podcast starts now. Here's your host, Carson Schubert. Welcome in to the Skull Purple Podcast. We are ready to talk more about the 2023 Minnesota Vikings NFL Draft Class. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We've got Kevin, uh, Kevin Brown NFL on Twitter, and we got Steggy, Tony, at Steggy Stories on Twitter and TikTok, and myself, Carson. Um, you could follow the Twitter account at Skull Purple Pod on Twitter as well and on all social media. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, the NFL draft has come and gone. It's hard to believe it. I mean, it, there was this long period of time, you know, where, okay, just get to the draft already. But then it's like, well, poof, it's gone. It's done. Here we are. We've got... Six new draft picks that the Vikings have made, uh, selected, and also some UDFAs that we'll talk about as well. But, uh, Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, I'm recovering from the long, chaotic weekend that was the draft. Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, I think there were a lot of what-ifs going into the weekend, and uh, we got some answers. I think uh, we still have some questions uh, that remain after the weekend, and I'm sure we'll get into those. But uh, it's nice to at least know what we have, what we're going to come away with, uh, with our, our our draft haul, if you want to call it that. And uh, no, I'm feeling good. Another week, uh, another week in the off season, and now we get to look forward to mini camp. So excited with all of our shiny new toys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Kevin, yes, welcome sir. to the show. How are you doing? Great, great. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little like the day after Christmas. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a letdown, but the draft itself <laughs> is a triple Christmas. So there you um, go. No, it was, it, it was good. Um, the, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is, uh, sometimes you go into it with certain expectations and, and the reality is. You know, we just don't have as much information as they do. Um, to, to me, what was particularly interesting was, you know, with Flores coming in on, the, on defense, it's like, um, you know, they they say they like, you know, certain kinds of players and whatever. But what does that look like? What does that scheme look like? Um, so I felt like it was it was a chance to really learn that. And I feel like the draft gave some real clarity to what he's looking for. Um, you, you know, there's just a lot of traits that showed up in the guys that they took on that side of the ball. And so to me, like, that was exciting to, like, learn that and gain that clarity. Um, so, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the players in a bit. but Yeah. Well, and I think, Kevin, good. Kevin, one of the things you just said, and I, I think that this can't go understated, I think sometimes where we see them pick, or not not where, but who they see 
the team pick can sometimes give us an indication as to how confident they are in coaching staff, in certain position groups. Um, and to your point, I think maybe the reason why we didn't see as much of a rush maybe to get into that corner group uh, early is because, you know, they do have high hopes for Flores, what he's able to do. And then some of these guys coming off an of injury, like a Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. and, and Lewis Seen. So um, yeah. I think maybe a vote of confidence for some of those guys. We were able to see that a little bit in some of the selections. Yeah. You know, that it was interesting. I did a, I did a quick study of my, my board, my consensus board, if you will, with where guys went and I went through each team and I, you know, graded like if they took a guy way earlier than I thought they should have. And there was only three teams that ended up in the positive on that. And I think that's telling because, you know, we go by what the consensus opinions are, like we're information hounds and we, we kind of go by that. Um, I think if we were sitting in our team's draft room and we saw their board, we'd be just as fired up as Brad Holmes was with the Lions when <laughs> you know, they make a pick because everything's falling oh, in place for him and stuff like that. Say so, what you will about that man, but he gets excited about his picks. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. He's uh I I can understand why him and Dan Campbell are together. They uh <laughs> they both seem like they are fired up for football. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're all biting kneecaps over there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And Dakota wants to say hello once again. She wants hey, to buddy. get her draft opinions. Hey, oh, she's, uh, she's always yeah. anxious to get her up here and, and then Belichick's dog make a good, uh, <laughs> good, good scouting. Uh, there. That's right. That's yeah, right. I, I do have to say, Carson. I think I disagree with Dakota's C minus rating that uh, she gave the Vikings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's too low there, sweetie. That's, that's too right. Low. Pretty pessimistic. Yeah, <laughs> all their grades are C's. Dakota that's making right. her nobody, debut. Or nobody her gets debut. anything higher than a C plus. So yeah. Uh, the Viking, I mean, I know we'll get into the grades and whatnot, uh, so I'm not trying to tip my hand too much here, but ultimately I think the Vikings did uh, – I think they did well. I I liked some of the strategery, if you want to call it that, to some of the picks. It was really hard as a fan to watch us go from 23 all the way into that third round because, of course, as a fan, it's – well, it's it's like this, and, and I don't know if, if both of you play fantasy football. I know that Carson plays some fantasy football. But if you – I've been through a snake draft, and it's like picking at the top or the bottom of the order because then you've got to wait almost two rounds, you know, until you pick again, and uh, you see all these names coming off the board, and you get a little anxiety. So as a Vikings fan, I was starting to feel that anxiety a little bit after 23. It, it was painful that gap was really painful. And then I think on top of it, then the, the guy they took in the third round was not a consensus popular yeah. kind of a pick. So I, yeah. I think it was like, but then, you know, then I think perception as well, they closed it out strong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you never know. Let's uh, go ahead and get into the individual players here. We're not going to break down the UDFAs. I want to make sure we, <laughs> Um, go through that, but what we are going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of them, though. We're going to talk about a couple of them. We're not going to go through every name, but 
maybe a handful that Kevin likes and maybe, you know, myself and Tony as well. But let's start at the top with the number 23 pick that the Vikings made in the draft, the number 23 pick in the 23 draft. And it was a Jordan, a Jordan Addison, not a Michael Jordan um, as the joke was on NFL Twitter, uh, a Jordan going at number 23, you know, Michael Jordan, right? Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I think um, I know a lot of people on Vikings Twitter and the Vikings blogosphere, podcast sphere, whatever you want to call it, the Viking uh, Skull Nation, there you go. Skull Nation has been clamoring for a number two wide receiver for Justin Jefferson the last couple of years. And it seems like they got their guy now, right? Uh, Jordan Addison maybe is not the most athletic guy, but athleticism, as we've shown, as we've seen in the NFL in the past, does not always mean production in the NFL. Uh, you can be as athletic as possible, and you could be the worst football player. So um, you got to be able to put it all together, and that's what Jordan Addison has done throughout his playing career in college. He's not the most athletic guy out there, but boy, oh boy, he knows how to route run, and he can break it off when he wants to as well. And I say that he's not that fast, or I said not athletic, but he still runs a four four nine or four four seven or something like that. So that's still pretty fast. Um, so I'm going to start with Kevin. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Jordan Addison and that first round pick? Well, I think um, I I would guess that on their board he was probably in the 10 to 12 range on their board. And I think that him and Jackson Smith and Jigba were probably the two guys that if they fall to us, we maybe aren't going to try to trade down so hard. And then they, you know, they, they were delighted, you know, to go with him. It was a clear cut thing. It wasn't any debate, um, but they, they did, you know, the due diligence of listening to offers kind of down to the end. But, you know, like the, you know, what's the biggest thing they needed, you know, based on last year, they needed a number two that could create separation. And, you know, I don't think there's a better guy in this draft for that, that exact thing. And the fact that, you know, he's, he's advanced in, in understanding the offense and route running, like he's not going to need, you know, a year in the system to figure out how to run routes, how they want him to run routes and stuff like that's, that's probably the strongest part of his game. And um, so he's, you know, he, they can move him around and, you know, get him the ball. And I think he's going to be a high volume, you know, receiver as much as anybody playing opposite Justin Jefferson can be high volume. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a great pick for them. It's a great fit for them. Um, you know, d delighted. He's a really good football player who's kind of on the smallish frame size. And Tony, I know before the show started, you had mentioned that you're starting to come around. Your curmudgeon attitude is going away towards Jordan Addison. So give me that hype, man. Let's hear it. Yeah. I mean, uh, so for any of you, any of the listeners out there that were with us live 
again, thank you so much. I, I do appreciate everybody that hung with us for the four and a half hours that we were live on uh, on Thursday of last week for the first round. Uh, but if you were with us, you may remember a certain Steggy that was not so happy. Um, and, you know, look, at the end of the day, I, I, I explained it then. I'll say it now in a short, shorter version is that I, I just I was very worried with what we had left. And it felt like going receiver at that spot. I was just kind of doing the math of like, here are all the needs. When are we picking next? And we only have four picks left in this draft. And so I think that for me is where I, I got a little bit, um, you know, maybe irrationally irritable uh, there. I'll say it. I will admit it. Um, but no, I have softened a bit on, on the Addison pick um, and the draft as a whole, uh, because at the end of the day, they can't make draft picks out of nowhere. And if teams don't want to trade with us to give us good value, I'd rather have us stick to the plan than have us try to reach and do things that are ultimately going to hurt us either short-term or long-term. So I'm fine with it. Addison in general, one of the things that we also talked about on Thursday, I was worried, uh, you know, cause it's, it's recency bias, right? I know Justin Jefferson, that was a huge hit uh, with Justin Jefferson, but if we go back prior to Jeff's Justin Jefferson, you talk about first round wide receivers. We're talking about Laquan Treadwell. We're talking about Cordero Patterson. And as much as I love Cordero Patterson, there were issues there. And certainly he didn't seem to find his stride until, you know, he was away from the Vikings and really almost until he went to the Falcons. Um, so here, Vikings faithful, I'll give you this. Addison is faster than Treadwell. <laughs> He's not running a four, six, five, like Treadwell ran. Um, he has got hands and he's worked on those hands. The hands were a bit of an issue early in his career and then became a non-issue, which tells us he has a good work ethic. He's willing to put in the work uh, to be better at his craft. And that's huge. All these guys in the NFL are talented. It's the guys that'll put in the work that seem to succeed. Uh, look at Adam Thielen, right? So I think he's going to be fine. He's got the work ethic. As Kevin mentioned, phenomenal route runner. So again, a la Cordero Patterson. We're not going to have to worry about a guy who can't run routes. Uh, so I think Addison's going to be a good pick. I think he's going to be a great fit for this team. If, if anything, I'd say look out KJ Osborne. Um, you know, if you're KJ Osborne in that wide receiver room, you know, you, you, I'm sure he was thinking, I'm going to slide into this number two spot. I'd say not so fast, young fella. Uh, I think Addison might uh, try to claim that spot before week, probably week four. So we'll see. I think he's going to slot right in. I, yeah. I don't think there's going to be any waiting. I think he's going to be wide receiver two uh, week one of the season. And I don't think it's because K.J. Osborne isn't talented. I just think it's because Jordan Addison is the better player. Um, and maybe, maybe Kevin, maybe you'll uh, have something to add on that. But um, here's one thing I'll add before I let Kevin continue is I think I'm very excited to see what even Keenan McCardell, the Vikings wide receiver coach, can add to his game um, that maybe he hasn't learned? Because obviously McCardell, I believe he worked with Diggs back in Maryland, right? And then uh, obviously he's been the Vikings wide receivers coach the last several years. And I'm, I'm also anxious to see if he can do anything at all with Jalen Rager. Is there any hope for Jalen Rager yet? I, I don't know if there is. I would lean towards not, but... He hasn't had a full offseason working with McCardell yet either. So maybe there's a shot there, but it certainly looks like wide receiver one, JJ, no doubt about it. 
possibly a competition at wide receiver two with Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne. Obviously the number three is whoever loses that. And then it's Jalen Rager, potentially Jalen Naylor's in there. Um, maybe Malik Knowles, who we'll get to a little bit later on the wide receiver from Kansas state who they got as a UDFA. Maybe he's got a shot. Um, but I wouldn't totally put it past the Vikings to cut Jalen Rager before the season begins. That's something to keep in mind as well. But uh, Kevin, any other thoughts on Jordan Addison and him potentially slotting into wide receiver two right away? Um, I don't, I don't think the number one, number you're, two. You're muted, good. Kevin. What's that? I can hear him. Maybe I just can't one, hear you. Two is that big a deal? Um, I think uh, I was just looking this up. Uh, you know, Thielen had 1,094 snaps last year. Osborne had 906. Um, they're, they're doing three wides so often. And I think if anything, you know, Osborne will get snaps when it's more likely first down running plays, you know, because he's just got a little more bulk as a block and stuff. Um, you know, as, as far as targets go, I, I think both those guys are going to benefit from it. Like I think I think JJ is going to benefit because they're going to be able to hurt teams if they cave in on him because Addison can make big plays and get open. But I think Osborne's going to benefit from it too because he's going to be singled up and and you know he's in a contract year too and he didn't drop a pass last year. Um, you know he's. I see Osborne having a pretty solid year and getting paid next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And probably not by Minnesota, but I, that's that's the way it works these days. So. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad assessment. And the other thing, you know, to keep in mind about Rager, because I'm with you, Carson. I think one, one just, again, playing devil's advocate here um, – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Rager was returning, I think, most of our punts last year, correct? Yeah. yeah so, you know, there's there's that aspect to it. I think he he might fight for some playing time, uh, but if he still adds value as a punt returner, um, you know, it, it could make sense to keep him in the room. Plus, he's got NFL experience, and like you said, with a full off season, maybe they uh, feel like he's at least enough to keep as a depth guy that knows the system. So we'll see. I mean, and you, like you said, Carson, maybe there's some guys that'll flash in minicamp that allows us to get rid of them. But with Rager, then there is that added piece of, well, now we got to figure out who's going to return punts. So, yeah, it, he has such a, I mean, he has first round talent and he flashes it. But at, at some point, you know, you got to be where the quarterback knows you're going to be on every single play. Like you can't. You can't let up on routes. You can't, I, I don't know, like, and hopefully a training camp, like, he gets that down. Like, he he knows with precision, and, you know, he's running all the drills. They're not just prepping to play games this week where he's not really a part of the game plan anyway, so he's not really engaged in it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of potential there, but um, – you know, he's been a mild disappointment thus far. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. 
And another position that is interesting to talk about, too, is running back, which we will talk about when we get to the Dwayne McBride pick uh, in the seventh round. But uh, there was some interesting news that came out today uh, by a prominent Vikings Twitter account uh, that we'll get to uh, with that as well. But uh, um, let's go ahead and dive into the third round pick, cornerback Makai Blackman of USC. And, you know, at first when I heard this pick, I was kind of like, really? There's a lot of other corners on the board consensus-wise. And I know Kevin and, and Tony and I talked about this before the show that I think we'd be blown away if uh, we actually saw the Vikings consensus board compared to some of the other people. Um, and then maybe we'd be more excited about these guys. But um I think Makai Blackman, if you look at the statistics and you look at how sticky he was in coverage on the on the film, I, I think there's a lot to like. Um, and he played played some aggressive man coverage in college. Flexibility, of course, the big thing for the Vikings and defensively speaking, where they can kind of put him wherever it seems like. He's got that flexibility, as does Jay Ward, who we'll talk about. Um, but I... Uh, I'm curious to get Tony's thoughts, and then we'll go over to Kevin. I don't hate the pick. I have concerns, um, like I'm sure you you both do as well. One of them for me is um, he gets a little handsy, and, and even like when I watch highlights, uh, he really battles, which I think is good. And I think it's a good thing that he's willing to be physical, especially at the at the line of scrimmage. But what worries me is at the NFL level, you know, they, they let him play more at the college level. At the NFL level, I'm watching these highlights and I'm going, that's P.I., that's P.I., that's going to be P.I. Um, so, you know, it's like I, I hopefully he starts to understand the NFL game where he can get crafty with his hand placement and things like that because he's not going to be able to be as uh, aggressive or at least as flagrantly aggressive at the NFL level past that five-yard line. Because, um, I, I, yeah, I just I think that's one thing I worry about. And it, it makes me a little bit gun-shy because I remember how Rhodes was coming out of college, and it was the same thing, was he, would, he was so aggressive, which is great, and he's willing to get up there and play, you know, play the run and things like that. And, and all those things I see in this guy, different players, uh, but um, I love the aggression. I just worry that he's going to be a pass interference machine, especially early on. So, Yeah, I think that's the big concern, and that's what Daniel Pollock and I talked about on uh, Saturday night we did a – or on Friday night we did a recap of the third round and day two for the Vikings, and we mentioned Xavier Rhodes. Anytime you hear holding or pass interference and the Vikings secondary, you automatically almost go to Xavier Rhodes in recent memory. So Kevin, do you, uh, do you think that that could be a problem for him in the NFL or do you think uh, Brian Flores could coach it out of him? Um, I think, I think that's a coachable issue with him. Um, he is such a smart, uh, mature football player. Um, I mean, I mean, there's only one guy that had a higher PFF grade uh, against the pass last year. That was Devin Witherspoon. Um, it, you know, just evaluating this guy, it jumped out at me. Like, why isn't he rated higher? Like his production, like the way he turns his hips. Um, 
the you know this was this was the pick and then there were a couple others that clarified it for me this is what a flores press corner looks like like one of this 10 yards off eyes in the backfield trying to figure out where to go just get right up on the guy and run with him turn and run with him uh we haven't had a guy like that in a long time honestly uh you know um you, you know like even even Rhodes was you know was more of a brawler a big physical guy uh this guy can just get in your hip pocket and like I don't know if you saw the clip of him against Jaden Reed from the senior bowl I think um you know who goes to the Packers and yep and like he frustrated him and Jaden Reed is a good route runner guy like he he really is um I I think he just didn't have he doesn't have sexy numbers you know he's average sized average frame doesn't have great speed so you don't think much of him but but uh Flores and and his scouting acumen like he knows a good football player when he sees him and it, and it isn't overwhelmed by measurables like it is like he doesn't give too much weight to measurables when he sees a good football player and that's what I feel like that was reflected in in the the defensive guys they ended up with out of this thing yeah, yeah, I think that's a great assessment. I mean, the guy's got to play. I mean, that's you hit the nail on the head, Kevin. I mean, and actually, Carson, you you brought this up earlier. You made this statement where you see all these guys come through the combine. You see all these guys get drafted every single year, and they're amazing athletes. All of them. All of them are amazing athletes, but not all of them can play football in the NFL, right? And it's not just the first rounders. There's always a handful and a decent chunk that are second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders, right? And so, um, to your point, I, I love, I love the the physicality and I love the the dog in him a little bit. Like he's a baller, like you mentioned, Kevin. I mean, this guy can play football. I I just think for me, and again, it's not a huge concern to be honest. I, I like the pick. Um, it's just I hope. And I think he could do it because he's going to have great coaching with Flores. Just that we get the hands in check. And look, these guys are so crafty. I think a lot of young guys, I would be very concerned about that. Yeah. But I, th this guy is a, like a smart player. Like he will respond to the coaching on it. Yeah. Um, you know, not to call anybody, but I like I don't think Chris Boyd ever responded to the coaching on that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, and there, there's guys we've had like that, that like how many times would you have to tell them, you know, don't be so handsy and they just never get it. I, the, the other characteristic about him tells me that those things are coachable, but, yeah. but we'll see, you know, rookies are going to get picked on and they're going to get flagged. Yeah. So he's going to have a baptism under fire whenever he gets in there. But. Yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah there was i believe there was somebody that talked about that maybe black men could struggle in coverage against bigger bodied receivers i don't know how you feel about that kevin or is there a certain type of receiver that you think black men maybe wouldn't have the most favorable matchup um i i think the burner the burner yeah i think the pure burner is going to be more trouble than that he's he's so He's so f fluid and flexible that I think he'll be fine. 
I mean, he'll be outsized by people, but his competitiveness and his, I think, technical, you know, serve him well. He reminds me as a third round pick a lot of uh, Alexander Madison, who is a very productive running back coming out of college, played a lot, had a lot of good film, did everything really well, but he wasn't, you know, it wasn't very high on the consensus board. And then the Vikings took him in the third round and he was like, oh, there were so many other better backs. It's just, it's just like that. Like, I don't, you know, there are more talented corners that were still available, but none of them as polished and ready as as this guy. And, you know, it it just, okay. Press corner. That's what you're looking for. Okay. Got it. You know, it's not, it's not just a big, tall, fast guy. Yeah. It's a guy that shows production mm-hmm. as a press guy. So. Yeah, because I know Ke- uh, Keely Ringo was on the board, one of the corners that was on the board ahead of him yep. are at the same pick that the Vikings had. They could have gone with him. I think yep. there was maybe a, two or three other ones that were maybe like, okay, that would have made more sense. But as yep. you said, the production was there. 13 pass deflections. in for a visit, too. So it isn't yeah. like, I, I mean, they like this guy better than Kaylee Ringo. Yeah. 13 pass deflections or passes defense last year. Three yeah. interceptions. So he's, I think he could, uh, he could, he could give a wide receiver an issue. Like kind of reminds me maybe of like a situation when <laughs> Xavier Rhodes went against OBJ in the 2016 or 2017 season. And uh, OBJ was talking to kicking nets and all that. Um, I uh, I kind of I have a reminiscent, a little reminiscent of reminiscence of him in that way where he's going to, he's going to attack the guy and, you know, be on him the whole game. But but obviously not as tall as Rhodes and um, a little little less bulkier than Rhodes, as, yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah. So, All right, well, let's move on to pick number four. And uh, we go from two USC guys to two LSU guys, starting with safety Jay Ward and um, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa had made the comparison to um, – Jimmy Ward, uh, one Ward and another, um, because he feels like Jay Ward can play multiple positions, nickel, outside, and safety. And uh, we'll start with Kevin this time. What do you think about this pick for the Vikings? So very similar to Blackman. Um, He's a guy, I mean, I watch a lot of LSU prospects games. And – you know, even as an underclassman, he stood out like this guy is good. He's all over the field. He's making plays in all phases of the game. But then, you know, then he tests out, you know, hey, he's too skinny, you know, misses some tackles. He's only a four five five guy. But this is, again, like, you know, Flores wants players. Like he wants people that are really good at playing, not just, you know, not just triangle number guys. He wants guys and the flexibility. You know, the, the guy, you know, this hybrid safety corner guy that can move around, that's exactly what he did at LSU. So I, I think 
you know, he's 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 right where they had him rated. Probably they probably had him rated higher than this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, what are your thoughts on Jay Ward from LSU? Yeah, I think at at best um, he could be a guy that could grow into, you know, being a really, really versatile player on this defense. And and that's something that I think in this NFL is just it can't be, uh, you know, understated how valuable that is because you can give a guy that can kind of drop down closer to the box, uh, have a guy back off back into more of that safety spot. I mean, it just allows you to have a lot of different looks if you've got a guy that's comfortable at different spots in that defense. So really like the versatility. As Kevin mentioned, he's a guy that, you know, he's he, he might not jump out at you off paper um, when it comes to his just raw measurables, but when he's on screen, I mean, he, he looks great and he knows how to play the game of football. Um, and that's, I mean, you got to be able to play football. You know, we see a lot of guys come out that, uh, you know, run these crazy 40 times and, you know, how many of them are you talking about two years later? Usually not many. Um, so I love that. I think that the ceilings there, I think the floor with him, um, is he probably is like a better version of what we lost in Chris Boyd, um, or guy that, that for sure is, I think going to be able to play some great special teams for us. Um, provides depth. So no matter what, I really liked the value in this pick because I just felt like I don't, I feel like he's a pick that is not, he's probably not going to be cut. Like there's a spot for him on this roster um, and he's going to provide value, even if he doesn't reach the potential. And if he does, I mean, I think it's going to be a great pick for us. So. Yeah. I think he's really going to make his mark on special teams as a rookie. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, a year from now, is Harrison Smith going to be back again? Um, oh. And, uh, you know, then Cam Bynum is going to be, uh, you know, running out on his contract. I think this guy's waiting in the yeah. wings. And, uh, and I don't think they bring Bynum back. No. So He's not their guy for one and for two. He hasn't been that good. Um, now, again... You can go back into the Donatel thing and that he yep. didn't use him properly and all that stuff. But well, and he, he fits a lot of these same characteristics. Um, but I feel like he was crippled in this umbrella coverage thing. Like, yeah, got to hang back, got to hang back, got to be thinking all the time instead yep. of attacking. Um, he was a corner in college and, you know, he fits this versatile thing. Right. That that Flores has talked about. And I, I think we're gonna see it. I think I think he's gonna get better out of the same players. Yeah, yeah, I, I really hope so because I uh I didn't think Bynum was all that great uh this past year, and again that goes back to Donatel and his inability to um adjust <laughs> adjust his scheme around the players and not just say, hey, this is what you're doing and this is the way it is. Um, I think there was a lot of that with Donatel, and so glad that that um, seems to be in the rearview mirror with Flores. Flores seems like he's going to um, know what to do uh, with certain guys. And, again, that's the versatility. We talked about it. That's what he loves, being able to do multiple things with the same guy. 
because that really does open up the playbook defensively, and you never know what you're going to expect on the other side. You know, yeah. it's you know if you're good in coverage and you send a guy on a blitz, it's like well. What do you do then? Like you, you're not expecting a guy that's good in coverage to always come on a blitz, but when you have multiple guys who are versatile and are able to do that, then that gives Brian Flores the ability to say, "Okay, I'm going to send this guy because I trust the rest of these guys in coverage." And so that's that's one thing I'm very curious to see this year. Yeah, and I I think that, and then this is going to be a really like layman's. Um, <laughs> Uh, explanation of what I view the Donatel defense versus the Flores defense here. So bear with me for all of you defensive gurus out there. This is going to sound idiotic, but the way I view Donatel and the way he wanted to run the, his defense was he understood the deficiencies that we had. So instead of trying to cover them up with pressure, he tried to cover them up with space and, essentially like allowing us to give some padding to the defense. Like that's why we saw them line up so far off the line of scrimmage because it gives them time to react and to run whatever defense that we were running at that, at that particular play. Um, so it was a lot of trying to manage the damage, if that makes sense. Um, and I feel like with Flores, I think it's more about, it's less about, Hey, let's, let's make this other team, you know, like, you know, we're going to make them essentially beat our defense. I think Flores is more of a proactive type of a defensive coach where he's going to make you, he's going to bring pressure. So he's going to try to make you execute your game plan fast. And he's going to see if you can't make mistakes. Um, and that's, I mean, at the end of the day for a defense that look, we're going to rely on some young talent. I'm not saying they're not going to be good, but they're going to be young. Um, you know, this defense still needs some help. I, I, I don't think, any of us should be under any illusion that the Vikings defense is going to be a top 10 defense next year. It's not, but what, what defenses in that kind of middle tier can do is create pressure, which usually causes mistakes. So you can cover up a lot of deficiencies if you can bring pressure. So I think that's what he's looking for. He's looking to mix up, bringing that pressure and putting these young guys in a spot where they can make some plays. And then, you know, you start to get the confidence up after a couple interceptions and, you know, these guys want to start flying around. So that's the biggest thing is just trying to be aggressive versus letting the offense come to you. Cause we saw a lot of that last year and it was ugly. Yep. Yep. All right. On to the fifth round, gentlemen, we've talked about three guys. We got three guys left to talk about, and then we're also going to mix in a few other things here and then some UDFAs as well. Um, Let's go on to nose tackle Jaqueline Roy. Uh, the Vikings PR came out and released the pronunciation today. Jaqueline, it's not Jacqueline. Uh, Jaqueline Roy from LSU, another teammate. We got two sets of teammates, and now they're all four teammates. So there you go. Fifth round pick, nose tackle from LSU. And I heard some differing opinions, surprising, on uh, Roy. Um I think Lance Zierlein on NFL.com had him going in the fourth or fifth round. Vikings got him early in the fifth round, so not bad value there. And then also, I think Mel Kuyper Jr. said something about him maybe being a third-round pick just based on his possibility, um, his potential 
of being uh, maybe underutilized at LSU or maybe just um, didn't have as much production, but the ability is there for him. But um, I'm curious to get your thoughts, Tony. Um, the comp for him, by the way, uh, was Dalvin Tomlinson, according to Lance Zierlein. So take that with what you will. Well, I think in, in some ways Vikings fans hope that he uh, can be, maybe be even better than Dalvin Tomlinson. Not not to say Tomlinson was was poor, but, uh, you know, he, he ended up being, I don't know, he was a guy that was like a defensive Kirk Cousins. It was like, yeah, the PFF grade's good, and some of the stats are all right, but I don't know, just like watching him, I don't know if he passed the eye test all the time. Um, but I, I don't mind the pick. I think this is another one where it's, you know, you're banking on the the ceiling, right? You know, the high ceiling. I think they see some some um, potential in this guy. He only started one year, you know, in college. So, you know, he only has one full season under his belt as a starter. They feel like there's some value there. Obviously, as you start to get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you're, you are getting into some players where um, you're looking at potential versus, you know, something that is a little more proven. So um, I don't mind the pick. We need depth on the line. So I was okay with it. Kevin. Um, like the pick a lot. Um, I had a fourth round grade on him. He got him in the fifth. Um, I, I think uh, the LSU program was kind of a mess the last couple of years, you know, in transition. And Go Tigers. Yeah, I think he, um, uh, yeah. He jumped out at me as a big time, you know, an NFL player when I when I watched him, you know, tape of him. And the the other thing is like he really really fits the scheme. Like like you know they need this. They need like a guy that can be a nose tackle, can be a defensive tackle, can be a three four end. And there just aren't a ton of those guys. There's all kinds of, you know, these these tall skinny, you know wide edge guys and then there's these big nose tackles there's not many guys that can effectively play those kind of three spots uh th this guy has like the big boy build for the whole thing um and and i think he is a lot like uh uh tomlinson but i think he's got a little little more leverage little uh little more length to him with his arms and uh, versatility too yep I think similar. I think he's he's got better pass rush potential than Tomlinson does. <clears throat> so I I think it's solid a solid pick and fill the need, um, and a good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seems like uh, seems like a good kid, and seems like if he, he could... was in Canada, his name would probably be Wah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So. <laughs> that's right that's right oh uh, well there you go the two teammates two sets of teammates there but wait there's more the vikings made a second pick in the fifth round um no more teammates sorry they're all teammates now but no more teammates but jaron hall quarterback byu Kirk Cousins, see you later. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins has uh, potentially his replacement in 2024, um, but that does not necessarily—that's not necessarily for sure. Um, however, 
Jaron Hall was the selection with their second fifth round pick. And Jaron Hall put up some good numbers at BYU over the last couple of years. Um, he's only six foot, but he's taller than Bryce Young. I know uh, Stegey will be happy to hear that. Um, but uh, he's athletic and um, has the ability to run and throw, um, something that a Vikings quarterback has not had for a while. That I mean, not that Kirk can't run, but you don't think of him as a big-time athlete at the quarterback position. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts, Kevin, on Jaron Hall, the quarterback from BYU. I think some people had him going earlier, too, and he ends up going to the Vikings in the fifth round. Um, I love the pick. Um, uh, I wanted him around sooner. I had a third round grade on him. Um, I think he's better than all those other quarterbacks that went ahead of him. Um, I mean, not like all of them, but after Hooker, I think he was the next best guy. Um, I think at worst, he's a really good backup. I think at best, he, he does succeed Cousins. Um, he's got a lot of special qualities. He's he's a great kid, um, mature, face of the franchise kind of a guy. Uh, good arm, accurate, uh, can process. He just isn't very tall. But you know, neither was Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's Drew Brees, but um, more athletic than Drew Brees. There's no doubt about he that. Is, <laughs> he is. He is. So. Um, I, I just, I really like the pick, um, especially fifth round. Um, yeah, good value, really good value. value. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to watch and learn. And, and I, I don't know, I'd, I'd feel better about him a year from now coming in off the bench than guys we've had in the past coming off the bench. Yeah. Without naming names. Yeah. My, uh, my buddy over at the purple pocket podcast rap, he came out with a video saying, uh, Jaron Mahomes hall. And, uh, he was, uh, definitely joking. Um, but with the curls, it kind of reminds you of Patrick Mahomes. So, um, no, he won't be Patrick Mahomes, but who is for one, but I, I think based on the talent that he was able to, show and not only talent but production as we've been talking about put up a lot of good numbers in college and you put a good team around him and that's one of the things too kevin that maybe maybe you taught uh, had discussed or thought about yourself when you were watching tape is jaron hall really didn't have many weapons on offense uh, in his college career um, and now you give him a guy like Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, potentially if he's here in a couple years. Um, I he think is, he is a point guard style quarterback. Like he can, yeah. he can run that quick, quick rhythm offense that spreads the ball around. Um, he did a lot of that and he has accuracy on, on like all those short intermediate throws, you know, like, whereas a guy like Will Levis can, you know, sit on his knees and hit the crossbar from 50 yards out, but he can't, he can't with the accuracy hit a running back in the flat to the left. Mm. So 
I just, I think it's a, it's a good pick, like long ways to go from being the guy, but, um, you know, I, I thought they got the best guy of the best of the rest. Yeah. And especially for them and their system, you know, what they want to run. I think, I think he fits. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see what happens. I'll let you give your thoughts here, Tony, in a moment. I know you're dying to uh, put the cousins, cousins talk to bed. Um, but I, uh, I really think that we could see a different style of KOC's offense with him at quarterback that maybe Kirk Cousins is not quite comfortable running. And not to say he couldn't, but he's just maybe not as comfortable with those quicker, like you mentioned, the quick hitters, the quicker passing game. Um, I don't think that's really Cousins' game. He's much more of a play-action type quarterback. That's really where he succeeds, uh, as we saw last year and in his career. But I, I think, I think we could almost see another variation of KOC's offense with Jaron Hall at quarterback. But yeah, Tony, yeah. what do you think of uh, the Kirk Cousins successor? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm, um, I obviously with any player that we draft, I have high hopes for. Um, I don't know if I necessarily see Hall as being the successor to cousins. I think that he has, um, I mean, and I hope, I mean, look, none of us were talking about Brock Purdy last year. Right. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope we eat our words and this guy is something special, you know, maybe next year, as you mentioned, um, Kevin, I mean, look, no matter who we were going to draft, uh, the quarterback spot, they're going to sit for a year. Uh, because we, Kirk's our guy. He's going to be the guy this next year, and, and he should be. I, I I guess, you know, you can call me old school, but I, I I wish the days of quarterbacks being able to sit for a year or two um, were more of a thing because I just think it does so many of these young guys a disservice to throw them into the fire. And then when they get thrown into the fire, they're usually on bad rosters too. So then you have confidence issues and it just tends to snowball. So um, I think we've lost a lot of good quarterbacks <laughs> to uh, some uh, not great situations over the years. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I think that Hall, I like some of the things that I see with Hall. Um, I think they're like any, any guy that gets drafted They're They're talented. Uh, there are some things there. I've heard that his, you mentioned the arm strength, Kevin, one of the an analysts that I, was listening to said that uh, arm strength might be a little bit of a concern um, with, you know, him being able to get into some tighter windows. Um, deep ball's good. So that's good. It's not necessarily that he can't throw a deep ball. I've heard the deep ball's great. Um, it's just maybe making those really tight windows that, you know, you're going to see at the NFL level it might be a bit of a struggle. Um, and then of course I, because it's again, recency bias, I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, but you'll remember this, Carson. We had on Thursday night, uh, we had on a good friend of the podcast, uh, Matt Anderson, uh, over at Climbing the Pocket. He was down at the Senior Bowl this last year, and I brought up, well, we had him live on Thursday. I actually brought up 
uh, Jaron Hall. So obviously oh, before we drafted him. Oh, I don't even yeah. remember this. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked Matt. I said, you know, because we were talking about quarterback and because Levis was still on the board. And, you know, I just said, uh, you know, I heard a little bit about Jaron Hall. And before I could even go in the explanations, I wouldn't take him. And I guess, and I get it's, I get it's anecdotal because it's one experience that he had. Right. Right. But he said it was, it was, did not look great at the senior bowl uh, from everything he was able to observe. So I, again, I'm look every, not every guy is going to look amazing 24 seven. So I'm going to take that with a grain of salt, but my, uh, my thought with hall is that he probably is a guy that, in my opinion, I think the the higher likelihood is that he ends up backing up Cousins' successor. Um, that he is probably more of Nick Mullins' successor than he is Kirk's successor. And I Mullins think, is out after next year too. By the way, his contract's up after yeah, this year. And they just did re-sign him. But I think it'll be interesting. I think someone made this point: is if Jaron Hall can beat out Nick Mullins as the backup we're going to know a lot about uh, Jaron Hall because if he's able to perform that well enough, I mean, not that Nick Mullins is a world beater by any means as a backup, but if you're able to show that you can perform as good or better than him, I think that's going to say a lot to the coaching staff uh, and to the fans saying, okay, Jaron Hall's done enough to be able to earn the backup role now can he take that next step going into 2024 and beyond? That maybe is the question, Kevin. Anything you want to add there? I think the the floor for him is uh, like Taylor Heineke, um, Gardner Minshew. Yeah. With, with a little more maturity. Yeah. Uh, not quite the, uh, the swag of a Gardner Minshew. I don't think he's going <laughs> to. Stick you know, in a screen door and cut his Achilles. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, gonna... Taylor Heineke. Allah, yeah, I was going to say Allah Heineke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that's the floor for him. And then I think um, just his fit in the, the system, I, I could see the guy surrounded by weapons being just a, a playmaker, like, because he distributes the ball, like, I could see him being like a Brock Purdy type of thing. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. There's, there's a there's a lot of stuff in between there, but I just think that that's you know, and I don't know what the, the likelihood meter of that is, but um I, I think he's somewhere in between there. Yeah. Well, I would say this one theme for me that uh I think out of this draft for the most part is I unless I'm missing a pick that I'm going through here and we're almost to the end. Um, there's not a guy that I saw drafted, uh, where I went, that guy's for sure not going to work out. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and again, maybe I'm just missing one, uh, because I, there are absolutely have been those with the Vikings. I mean, I, I know I've told Carson this, but, uh, when we drafted Treadwell, I was like, this guy's going to be a bust. Like I said that night one, I'm like, that is he, first of all, hands might be an issue Well, he's a wide receiver. Uh, he's slower than the majority of the edge rusher rushers coming out of the draft. Yep. That's going to be a problem. Uh, that's obviously I'm, I'm, uh, fanalizing a little bit there, but, um, you know, he was four, six, five is not fast, man. And, and so you can't be slow and have issues with hands and be a wide receiver. Um, so 
I'm using that as an example because I, I look at all these draft picks and I think a lot of them, minus maybe Addison, Addison's probably closest to being like, man, I'd be pretty surprised if this guy isn't a pretty productive player. Um, I don't look at any of these guys and say, oh, this guy's for sure going to be a wash. You know, I, I, I think there's potential with almost every single one of these picks. What happens, we don't know. But there's potential, and, and you love to see that. So that means it means hopefully you've got a great scouting department. And, yeah. um, you know, it gives me hope, that's for sure. That's a good point, too, Tony, because there were times in Rick Spielman's draft class uh, classes and maybe even last year where it's just like, okay, this guy's not making the team. I don't know if I can say that about any of these draft picks this year. Like, I think all of these guys have that potential to make this team – and uh, we'll talk more about uh, the running back in a moment, but uh, that leads us to talk a little bit about going forward. Um, Kevin O'Connell or um, Quasi Adolfo Mensa's press conference after the draft says every op- option, uh, every option, not option, uh, is open at quarterback going forward for the Vikings. And, um, This has been in the rumblings in the uh, out in the Vikings ether, if you will, that uh, maybe that includes a quarterback extension for one Kirk Cousins. And we talked about it briefly coming in to this episode as much as I don't want it, as much as some of you probably don't want it. um, There is definitely a possibility that they go for another year with Cousins. And I think that's a big reason why the Vikings, though, didn't want to go with a multi-year extension for Cousins because they want the flexibility year to year with Kirk because if they somehow pull a, pull off a trade for a quarterback or if they um, go up and get a quarterback next year in the draft, maybe somehow swing a trade for a Caleb Williams or uh, a Drake May potentially. I don't see that happening, but you know, leaving the door open to resign but also not pigeonholing, okay, well, we've got our quarterback for the next three years. So so I really like what they're doing from that aspect of it. Tony, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, as you mentioned, I, I know I've said it a million times, and I just feel like there's, a, there's somebody new i got to explain this to. Kevin, I'm <laughs> sorry, but I'm going to have to just say it for your sake now. Um, I don't mind Kirk Cousins. I don't hate Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like a 78% there to be like elite, meaning that sometimes he's above that, sometimes he's below that. Where Kirk Cousins struggles the most is off script. Uh, So that means that if he gets, if he's under pressure, if he gets flushed out of the pocket, if he can't go through his progressions and you start accumulating those plays over and over and over again throughout a game, he, his, his drop off in production is immense. Um, so that's what keeps him from going from good to elite. But that doesn't mean he's not good. So understand Vikings fans that love Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. He's just not Patrick Mahomes. He's not elite, uh, you know, a prime Aaron Rodgers. Like he's just not in that very elite class that when things break down, he's going to make magic happen. Kirk's not going to make magic happen. He might if the play opens up for itself every once in a while, but most of the time it's not happening. Or it's got to be somebody else. I mean, you could say, well, look at it happened in Buffalo. Yeah, but Justin Jefferson made a generational catch. It's not like, you know, there was something Kirk did there besides just deliver the ball in his vicinity. 
Um, so I, I, I would like to see us get into a position where we, at least we start to try to find a guy that's going to be the quarterback and face the franchise for the next 15 to 20 years. I would love that. Um, and I think that should be the goal. I think Kirk Cousins is very good. I think we can win games with Kirk Cousins. Um, I would suspect that this team will probably see how this year goes. Um, and unfortunately, Kirk kind of holds all the cards now. Because if we get to the end of the year and this team is 8-9 and nine, and we don't have a great draft pick, and there isn't much of a chance for us to go get some elite quarterback, and there aren't any other options, because I would rather have us stay with Kirk than go with some retread from some of, like we're not getting back into that business again, a la Favre and all the other uh, quarterbacks. Um, so well, uh, Rogers is coming next off season. We yeah. got that settled already. So the problem is, is that if we get into that, if we get into that situation, Kirk is going to say, well, I got a bunch and there will be, there'll be a lot of suitors uh, for Kirk cousins that are going to be willing to give him at least three years, probably around three. That's probably an overstatement to say at least, but let's say three years and, a, and you know, a decent chunk guaranteed because again, Kirk is like the epitome of a high floor quarterback. You know, he's not going to lose you a lot of game. Like you can bank on him giving you good production. Um, so I don't know. And then we get into a spot of like, we're going to have to pay him. And the, the, you know, the, the uh, quarterback market for contracts is just only going to keep going up. So I think the Vikings, I hate to say it. And I, maybe this is why I got a little weird on Thursday um, is that I think understanding and having that foresight in the future, it's like, we might be in a real big pickle. Um, I think we either need to be really successful this year and show that, we have a really, really good roster, um, regardless of the quarterback position, or at least with a good quarterback, or we have to be kind of garbage. And then we have to go get like a top tier quarterback. Cause if we're somewhere in the middle, we're gonna have a big problem at that position. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. Kevin, any, any further thoughts on that? What's the question? Um, just, just your thoughts on the Vikings having options open at quarterback going into yeah. the future. And so, yeah. Okay. The crazy saying this in his press conference, I think like didn't need to be said, like other than there's been so much speculation, like it just got everything ramped up. Like this is their year. They're going to get the quarterback of the future. And I think he was just trying to dial it back. Like, it's always been an option to still extend Kirk. Like that's not off the table. It never was off the table. We talked and we decided at this point in time, we're not, we're not going to do anything. Um, if, if they go eight and nine, he's probably not back. Um, if, if they win 10 games or something, depending on how they did it, then a one year deal is probably in the cards and they're back in play for quarterback of the future again. Um, if they win the Super Bowl, nobody will care because that's all, you know, that's the rationale behind a great quarterback is the only thing that matters in winning a Super Bowl. So then, you know, it'll it'll be dead then. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm more concerned about their defense. Like yeah. if, they can't, if they can't rush the path, 
I don't care how many DBs they take. They got to figure out a way to rush the passer. And, uh, you know, Donatel would still be here if they knew how to rush the passer. If they had enough pass rush up front, I think for as as unchanging as he was, uh, you know, once Sedarius once got hurt and they basically lost half their pass rush, everybody figured that out and they were just toast. So, yeah. It's a good point. It's a good. Yeah, point. and I would say, I would say this, Kevin. I think that my the way I view it of my all my years watching football is that usually you've got to have one or two key. You have to have one of two key ingredients for almost every Super Bowl winner. Either you've got an amazing roster overall, or you've got you know an elite, probably top three to top two quarterback. If you've got one of those. You're, you're probably Super Bowl. Well, you know, you're in the mix, right? I think a dominant, a dominant defense can do it. Like, oh, like yeah. the Bears won with Jim McMahon, and uh, the Ravens won with Joe Flacco, and the Bucks won with Brad Johnson. Like, yeah. it, I don't think they're, you know, it's it's sexy when Patrick Mahomes does it. Like, like oh, he needs a good quarterback. Everything else can suck. Um, but. <laughs> That's you know, uh, that's not easy to find, and and now they're going to have to pay him like Patrick Mahomes, so it, it's going to be different. Yeah. I think Cousins is an overachiever, like for the the ability God gave him, you know, average to slightly above average size, a pretty good but not great arm, um, you know, limited quickness and athletic ability. You know, he can't do anything about that. Um, he is as good a football player as he can be. And it's yeah. it's good. He's a good quarterback. But he, he doesn't have the tools to be great. He just doesn't. He can't reset. He can't go off script. He just doesn't have the, you know, like, you know, whether Jaron Hall makes it or not, he can do that. Like, he can move around and he can yes. re-platform and make throws. Kirk just can't do that. Like what he did in that Cardinals game, running. <laughs> that was an aberration. Kirk like, can't like, run. Let's show like, this video. You know, like, if it's a straight line, yeah, he can run pretty good. But like he just. Yeah, nobody touching he, him. Yeah. He just doesn't. He can't be much better than he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I will say that about Jaron Hall. Um, you mentioned this, Kevin, and I, well, we can move on to the next next topic. But um, one thing I did love when I watched some of his tape, love the 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 feet, uh, love him moving around. And it's not even so much the like, oh, I want him to to run around or like you know run versus pass. It's just he he flashed to me some uh, just athletic ability in the pocket and able and, to move and around feel, and feel for pressure instead of you know like. Get getting just hammered from the blind side and not knowing it was coming, like, yeah. like that's like that's what a quarterback, you know, like Kirk knows the guy's coming, he just can't, yeah, he just he's can't not slippery, do he just he's can't not, do anything about it. So, yeah, yeah he's not elusive, that's no, for sure. He, he just he just isn't, so yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kevin, to help the pass rush that you were talking about, the Vikings drafted a running back. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> seventh round pick by the Vikings, yeah. running back Dwayne McBride from UAB. Um, no, he doesn't really help the pass rush, um, but what he does is run the ball at an elite level, at least uh, when he was at UAB. Averaged over seven yards per carry in his college career. Insane. Yes, it was UAB, but he did a really good job. And, you know, you put him with, you know, NFL-level talent at offensive line. Not that the Vikings' offensive line is stellar by any means, but they do have some solid players um, at tackle especially. But uh, sounds like McBride is a really good runner, but not so much uh, for, as you mentioned in your uh, little uh, video that you did for us, Kevin, not so much in the – passing game with running or even maybe uh, pass protection, but that doesn't necessarily mean he can't do it just because the team didn't uh, use him in that way, but I don't think it's necessarily his strong point, but um, let's start with you this time, Tony. What are your thoughts on Dwayne McBride running back from UAB, and it sounds like this might be the end of old Dalvin Cook. Yeah, uh, interesting that you mentioned that last facet. I did see some tweets about that right away after the after the pick. Like, oh, that uh, you know, that's the end of Dalvin. Um, and I, I do actually agree with that statement. Um, not not so much because I think this guy is going to like usurp Dalvin as uh, you know some bell cow back. I, I think it just we're adding more backs to a room that's already pretty crowded. Um, so to me, the fact that they would go this route just shows that they probably obviously know more than we do as far as his status with the team and, uh, what that's going to be looking like in the, in the next month or months to come. So I don't mind the pick. I mean, obviously you already mentioned this Carson, highly productive player. Uh, I believe he let, he led the FBS in rushing, uh, last year. So, um, I mean, obviously the guy had, has some talent and can move and, uh, it's going to be fun to see a different kind of, you know, running back room. I, I think once we have the official word that Dalvin is out uh, and wherever he goes, I think that's going to be for future draft capital um, is what it sounds like. Um, I think they're going to take a bit more of that committee approach and I'm here for it. I mean, as a guy that had to, just like you two had to withstand all the uh, Adrian years. And, and while some of those were so fun it was hard to watch all these other teams going pretty deep in the playoffs that were like, yeah, so we just have like three fresh running backs instead of one guy who, you know, is essentially just going to be the face of our offense. Um, not to say that Dalvin, I think Dalvin was a, already a shade moving away from the Adrian years, but um, you get what I'm saying. I, I'm excited to see this often f- offense function like, uh, you know, like the, you know, a prog- progressive offense that we've seen in the last uh, probably five to eight years. So I'm excited about it. I don't, I don't mind the pick. It's a little weird, uh, but I, I don't hate it. I, I think they could have gone a different direction. I'm sure Kevin would have loved defense, and I probably would have liked defense too, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Kevin? I, uh, when, uh, when their pick was up, uh, the absolute far and away top player on my board at that time was Dwayne McBride. I have a, I had a third round grade on the guy. Uh, I didn't have any other third round guys 
Um, the the next closest guy under him was Ivan Pace Jr. Ah. <laughs> so so um, I I really and Andre like, Carter, right? No, 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 no. Um, Malik uh, McBride, though, you know, um, yeah, no experience in the passing game as a receiver blocker. Um, the you know they they seem to think that that it's coachable and it is coachable, um, but they could never get Adrian Peterson to do it. Um, and it, you know, it isn't like Adrian wasn't competitive or whatever, but for whatever reason, he never moved past being a liability on pass production yeah. or any kind of an actual threat in the passing game as a receiver. Um, I, I remember, you know, Jarek McKinnon, who won a Super Bowl for the Chiefs, and, you know, you see him making some big time blitz pickups and stuff. I remember when he was a rookie with the Vikings, absolutely sucking on pass protection. And he would just get overhauled and thumped and beaten every which way imaginable. By the end of training camp, he was pretty good at it. So, I, you know, I, th there's no reason he can't be pretty good at the blocking thing. It's really not that hard. Um, and, then, and then as far as catching the ball, um, you know, I, I don't see him as the type that's going to be a shake and bake running routes guy, more of a, you know, more of a screen kind of a guy. Um, but as a runner, he, he's got it. Like he really, the contact balance is special. The size speed is special. The determination, um, the fact that he just really fits the wide zone running scheme. Um, I, you know, I think, I think they would have preferred the, the steel version of a rusher there, pass rusher, but there weren't any. So they just took the best guy and, uh, you know. Yeah. It, it, I, don't it, know it, I don't think it's any reflection on where things are with Delvin. I think, I think they kind of already know where that's going to go anyway, and I don't think they felt like they needed to add a back, you know, anticipating him being gone. I think they feel like they have three guys but I think this guy was just too highly rated to pass up. And he didn't run the 40, is that correct? Um, I think he did. Oh, he, he did. Had a workout. He had a workout the week before the draft. Okay. Um, but I never saw any results of that, but I'm sure they got results of that. Yeah. Things knew that, so. Well, here's what... Uh... I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Lance Zierlein's talk. Oh, you got something, Tony? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is what it is. You never know. But uh, I'm seeing 4-5-2. 4-5-2. Ram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's a 5'10", 209-pound back. So it's not like he's um, small, but he's not, like, huge. Here's what Lance Zierlein says. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I don't know how you, um, how you and Lance Zierlein, um, relate in terms of your grading or your profile analysis, Kevin, but he has an NFL comp on him of Marlon Mack and round four was his projection. You had him as round three. So I'm just curious, 
Uh, what do you yeah. think of the comp of Marlon Mack? Um, I like him better than Marlon Mack. <laughs> but, uh, um, but I was a little wrong on Marlon Mack too. So, um, yeah, I I think I, I think he's the the one thing about like anybody's board, you know, in the media is it inevitably has to be a consensus board because they can't tip their hand that they have a favorite team per se. Um, but it, every team, like some guys fit and some guys don't. Uh, this guy really fits with the Vikings. Like he's, you know, I, I bet, well, Quasi said they had a starter grade on him. I don't, I don't doubt that. But lots of other teams wouldn't have had a starter grade on him, and that's why he's still there in the seventh. Um, yeah. And it, so I don't think your team's board is wrong. I just, I think every everything is clouded by this consensus board business, because no team is operating off a consensus board, other than maybe to get a feel for where guys might go. Yep. Um, yeah. But, but everybody has a system, you know, like we talked about the cornerbacks, like there's a type that, that Flores wanted. And, and that means there's a half a dozen guys that were good on the consensus board that aren't that good for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking gentlemen of the running back situation for the Vikings, there was a tweet by Vikeologist on Twitter um, today saying that he has been told that Dalvin Cook, well, actually I said, I should say, per Charlie Walters, he says, of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, Dalvin Cook will likely be traded to the Dolphins for a 2024 fifth-round pick. Um, so there's no, there's no real, like, okay, that's for sure what's going to happen, but and I think he overstated what Charlie Walters actually said. Okay. In, okay. And uh, give me a list of the things Charlie Walters has been right about. Well, the, the that I can't respect. tell you because I don't really know much about Charlie Walters. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Other than he works for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. I, just, I, like, I don't think he's really connected with anybody that provides him with information. I, I think he's a smart guy who speculates and and I, honestly, if they got a fifth round pick from the Dolphins for him, I'd be elated. Yeah, I, I think they're going to end up having to just cut him. Yeah, I think if they get that, that would be great because you know you say, oh well, Dalvin's worth more than that. Well, sure. maybe, but sure he is, but he's got a but his contract. Tag, so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, his contract exactly and. I, I'm a little more skeptical on the Dolphins because they drafted a running back. Uh, Devin, is it Akine? Is that how you say it? Um, a Shane. A Shane or, yeah, yeah, whatever his name is. I apologize for not knowing. Yeah. But uh, he, they drafted him. They brought back Raheem Mostert, I believe. Um, and then they also have one other running back yet in there too, I think. But I'm sure they have more probably. But um, one that was in the top or in my head at one point, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think if they could get any pick for Dalvin cook, I think they should do it. Um, get his money off the books. 
Otherwise, they're just going to have to post June first to cut him. I mean, that's from what from what I've seen, uh, they might be able to trade him because they they're willing to take on some of the salary. Really, that's interesting. So I, I wouldn't me, have expected only, that. That's the only reason this fifth round pick has even been floated is supposedly they've made it known they're willing to to eat part of the salary. Okay. And I think they basically, you know, if they got a fifth, they would save face a little bit on it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's really the biggest hurdle is just, it's and just. I, and honestly, they, they did him a solid by paying him the $2 million thing and letting him get the shoulder surgery. They could have played hardball and, and cut him the same time they did Kendricks and Thielen. Um, and not worried about that, but I, I think they did show some personal loyalty to the guy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's just, he's to this point, you know, his agent is unwilling to, you know, renegotiate or do anything. And, you know, his agent talks about, you know, you, know, you got to start talking to him about him like he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, they don't pay you, you know, for what you have done. Right. I mean, it's just not. Right. It's not going to move them. So they already know that about him. So. Here's another thing about um, McBride. He ran for 120 yards or more in 10 of his 11 games last year. So he is productive. Um, as we mentioned, over seven yards per carry. Um, I think Dalvin Cook at one time had that kind of explosive possibility or uh, power, whatever you want to say, but uh, I think it's starting to go away. I'm not saying it's totally gone, but it's it's starting to deteriorate. And one thing that I've noticed about Dalvin over the last couple of years, Kevin, I don't know if you would agree, but just seems like he goes down very easily, um, and that's something that, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to – Hard to understand because of how good of an athlete he is, but. Um, well, I think it's the shoulder. Yeah, it could be too. I, I mean, I think he was playing and protecting his shoulder. Yeah. And so that's that's why he, there's certain situations and angles he wouldn't fight for yards and he would just step out of bounds. And, you know, I think he was just making the best of it. And he's, he's a wonderful player, but. Um, when a running back hits 28 and has that much mileage, um, it, he's not going to get better. I mean, he might, you know, you know, flash again, but um, yeah. You know. What do you think about McBride? Uh, the uh, what? Uh, here's an out of the box comp. Just looking at the numbers, um, and again, I'd have to watch more film on him. So I'm not saying this is from the eye test. This is from the numbers. Do you think he could be a little bit like a Kareem Hunt? Um, Not as good at receiver, maybe. I think he's. Uh, I think he's a little more, like has a little more natural uh, bulk to him. Sure. And I think he's more flexible. Um, but I think, from productivity standpoint, I think he can be every bit that good. Sure. Um, and, you know, to me as a runner, he's like a – he's kind of a smaller, slower Adrian Peterson, but that has that same kind of contact balance and determination, like stay on his feet, fight for yards. Yeah. does a really nice job of keeping his shoulders square 
and uh, you know just I, I don't know. He's, Takes guys with him. Yeah, he's just he's a really he's a really good runner, and if he can learn how to pick up the blitz, he can get on the field. If he never figures that out, he's never going to make it because he's not going to he's not going to get a chance to play. Like that'll just it'll get you know you'll get your quarterback killed. You'll you know you can't afford two drives a game to be stalled out because the running back couldn't pick up the blitz. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the nice thing is that the Vikings do have two guys, or at least for sure one. I can't say for sure on Chandler, but at least with Madison, it seems like he can do some of that and he can catch the ball out of the backfield we've seen. Um, he's not the guy that I would love the most to be catching the ball out of the backfield just because I, I think he's similar to McBride and that he's not as quick. Um, but I think um, – I think that Chandler could add some of that a little bit more too. And they have high hopes for Ty Chandler. They've talked about that numerous times of saying, yep. yeah, I'm very excited to see what Ty Chandler can do another year in the system. Yeah. Agreed. And he's just, he's a home run guy. Like he's got, mm -hmm. and I think, I think McBride is a little faster version of Madison um, mm. and, and yeah. not as polished uh, as a receiver or blocker. Yet. Yeah, but I yep. think he's he's probably a little bit, you know, just breakaway potential. He's got a little bit more juice. Sure. All right, gentlemen. Last topic of the day: undrafted free agents that the Vikings were able to bring in, and of course, a couple of the big names on that list, as we already alluded to, Andre Carter. And Ivan Pace Jr., two of the big names on the undrafted free agent list the Vikings were able to get. Uh, Vikings were very active uh, with the UDFAs, which almost, in a way, Kevin, kind of makes up for them not being able to uh, have as many draft picks, only six draft picks, but they bring in 15 guys in the UDFA side of things, and at least a few of them have the potential to maybe make the 53 uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the uh, on the UDFA class as a whole? We're not going to go through every single one, but if you could give a few that you really are excited about. Yeah, so there's three guys I like, um, Pace, Carter, and Malik Knowles. Um, Pace, um, I had a fourth-round grade on Pace, um, but he's 5'10 and a half, and I would say half the team's – didn't have them as draftable because of size. Like they just, certain coaches and organizations just they have a minimum threshold and they don't draft guys like that because they have the kind of the old Bill Parcells attitude. Like if you make exceptions, you're going to end up with a team full of exceptions. Um, so he lasted longer than he should have. He's a, he's a really good football player. And, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't have a pro career similar to Kendrick's. Um, he's smaller than Kendrick's, so, you know, he has more limitations. But I think he's a more natural pass rusher. Um, and um, I don't know, like he plays with a physicality that is is over the top. So I think, you know, he's he's going to – contribute on special teams. And to me, he was like drafting a linebacker. Um, 
you know, to be in the mix for taking over for Jordan Hicks down the road. Um, I think I think it'll be between him and Quinku who ends up, you know, competing for that spot. Um, I, he was great. I'm, I'd be curious. I'm curious to find out what they paid him to get him. Um, I bet they were talking to him after their, after, you know, in the sixth round. Um, so, um, yeah. and then Andre Carter has a lot of raw potential. Um, I, I don't think there's any way he makes the team, but I think he's a practice squad guy with a lot of developmental potential. Um, I, you know, the tools are there, but uh, he really struggled this last season and he, he looked out of place at the bowl games and his stock just dropped like a rock. But, you know, six, six and a half, 256, um, I, I don't know. That's, you know, he didn't run as well as they projected, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see what they can do with him. But again, I see him as more a practice squad guy than, uh, than an impact make the team kind of a thing. And then this Malik Knowles, um, there's a lot of question marks on him, character, consistency, injuries, stuff like that. But um, he's got some uh, Cordero Patterson in him. Like he's just, uh, he's he can turn kickoffs into home runs and um, he can do the same, you know, in the receiving game. But I, I suspect uh, they're not always gonna know where he is on the field, you know, when he's running routes, I think. He might have a little bit of that Jalen Rager in him. So, I was going to say, there's your uh, kick returner replacement right there. Yeah, yeah. He could definitely be a kickoff return guy. Yeah. So, you know they've got Wong Wu for that. So, yeah. Well, you know, and that's they don't that's, even let you do kickoff returns that often anymore. So, and that's an interesting point on Wong Wu though, because maybe he doesn't make the fifty-three. If if somebody usurps him as a returner. Yep. Do you think it's enough for him to say, okay, uh, you're the returner, we got to keep you? Or do you think the Vikings are like, hey, if we like Knowles better as a potential wide receiver five or six, and Wangwu hasn't yeah, he, shown that he can a, get on the field? Yeah, I think Knowles is a practice squad guy, too. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, McBride might be the kickoff return guy. Yeah. So the, yeah. the other thing, like, I've, you know, they, they signed the kicker. Um, he'll keep Joseph honest, but he he isn't going to beat him up. Like Jack Pudlesny? Yeah, he can't make a 60-yard field goal in the clutch. It's just well, like, with a number like 46 as a kicker, I would say good luck. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, his number? That's his number. They released the numbers today. Oh, did and, they? And that's his number, 46. Yeah, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> but I think he was like 97 or 90. Yeah, he was 96 in college. So. Oh, I hate that for kickers, but. Well, Ryan Wright didn't look like much of a kicker. Yeah, then they slapped either, 14 so. on him. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because we had to take him out of that linebacker spot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He could still play linebacker in a pinch, I bet. Yeah, that's right. Now he's a, he's a good reliable kicker. I just question whether he's got the leg for kickoffs, and uh, you know nowadays, 
like you need a kickoff guy that can put it in the end zone consistently. And then, you know, can he win a game from 60, 55? I, I, I don't know. He's never shown range beyond, you know, mid 40s. Yeah, I, I, I did notice that too when I was looking at his kicking stats. I know kicking stats. And actually, I really <laughs> studied the kickers in this draft. Like I was, yeah. I was looking like, is there a kicker that could beat out Joseph? And uh, didn't really I find drafted, one. I wouldn't have drafted the guy in the third round. Um, I mean, I would have drafted him later, but not. You know, like they How about the guy the Packers got? Yeah, yeah, like three. Well, that's that's uh, Carlson's brother. Yeah. Anders. Yeah. And uh, very erratic this last year, but also played hurt. So, um, but the same big, tall, angular build, rocket leg. But I don't know. If Zimmer isn't your special teams coach, maybe he's got a chance. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. No Zimmer to chase him away. Uh, I still remember. Uh, I think it was Chris Thomason's question after that game when he missed the three field goals. Um, so uh, why, uh, basically, why did you uh, why'd you release um, Daniel Carlson? Did you see the game? <laughs> did you see the game? <laughs> That's what Zimmer's response was to that question. So, Well, I just think, you know, Zimmer and kickers didn't, you know, didn't jive because he, Hated you them. know, kick kickers are finicky players, man. I mean, they're like golfers. A lot of it is you get in your head and then things just spiral out of control. And Zimmer was not, Zimmer was not going to be a, I'm going to pump you up and make you, make you aware that everything is going to be fine and we'll figure it out. He was a bit more like, do your damn job. And if not, you suck. So, <laughs> you know, you st if that starts happening too many times, especially for a young player yeah. uh, and a kicker at that, it just, it and was a he, he just justified it by saying, well, if you can't take that pressure, you're not going to be able to deliver on Sunday. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Like you're becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you run the exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, Daniel's pretty good now there, Zimmer. What do you have to say for yourself? Exactly. So <laughs> what's the, what's the difference? Oh, coaching. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's too bad too, because I, and I, and I know Carson, and I have talked about this at great length, but uh, you and I haven't Kevin, I, I was a Zimmer guy. I mean, I really liked Zimmer and I'm not saying I, I don't like Zimmer anymore or anything like that. It's just, you know, the things got off the rails the last two to three years and he lost the team and then he didn't do anything to get it back. So then what happened was it just, it was dead in the water. Actually, the moment that we had that, what was it, week 16 or 17 game uh, where, what was it, Rhodes and Terrence Newman went rogue and just started playing their own defense, I that that was the moment I knew that, that it was probably over for Zimmer. Because once you've got once you've got your players and not just any player, players that are captains of your team that are starting to go against your play calls, that's that's not I'm not saying what they did was right. It just it spelled disaster for me. Yeah. Well, I uh, I agree. I think Ivan Pace uh, backing up to the undrafted free agents. Um, I, I think Ivan Pace Jr. has got a chance to really 
be in the 53? Because here's the thing. There's not a lot of good linebackers that the Vikings have on roster right now. I'm just going to be frank, at least middle linebackers, inside linebackers. So I I would be pretty surprised, honestly, Kevin, if he doesn't make it. Uh, Tony, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, Andre Carter, um, yeah, that's probably a good way to describe him as a practice squad guy. Um, Malik Knowles, um, maybe the best thing about him is that uh, he's got the last name Knowles. So uh, he's definitely uh, he's definitely irreplaceable. So there you go. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get a Beyonce joke in there. There must – yeah, see, that went right over my head. <laughs> Hopefully somebody laughs. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, as far as my – and I got on some weird tangent about Zimmer there. Yeah, my my idea with uh, UDFAs is just – I'm consistent with you, Carson. I think, you know, Pace has got a shot. I think, uh, you know, look, every year there's always somebody who's uh, either going to make the team or has a shot to be a practice squad guy for future development, um, you know, a la Adam Thielen. You know, people forget that Adam Thielen spent his first year on the practice squad. So not only was he, he, he UDFA, he, he spent time on the practice squad. So, And he was a tryout guy. He yeah. wasn't even a, a, an original free agent. He was a tryout guy. Yep. And Quincy was the tryout guy last year. That Well, and I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but uh, Adam Thielen's from Minnesota. He went to college in Minnesota, and he played for the Minnesota Vikings. How about that? The trifecta. Really, I did not know that. Somebody should, you know, he, somebody should tell ESPN about that. He played high school ball in Detroit Lakes, which is where my wife is from. Okay. And, oh, there you go. Um, I got a clip of him catching a touchdown against my high school alma mater. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was – Corner of the end zone at Prowler Field. Oh yeah, I don't have very many, uh, you know, close connections with NFL players, but there's actually a guy that's still out there that I was kind of hoping we'd bring in as a, uh, as a more of a uh, depth piece. But my uh, family's pretty close with Billy Turner and his extended family. They went to, you know, he went to Moundsview. He graduated with my sister. And they were best friends in high school. So they've been in weddings together and great guys. Been up to our lake home. Um, but he's a free agent. <laughs> um, I don't still he just signed signed with the Jets today. Oh, did he? Oh, good for yeah. him. I'm gonna have he to sign a one year deal with the Jets for about like a little over three mil. Well, that's you know where that connection is. So him and hey, Rogers, hey, yeah, Raj. him and Rogers, him and Rogers and were the pretty got pretty close over his yep. time there. And the and the OC there too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he he had uh, nothing but pretty good things to say about uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I'll leave it at that because that's him talking to me like a human being. But uh, he didn't have much bad to say. He really liked him. But you know, I suppose I could say a lot of good things about my coworkers. I don't know if I want to go hang out. You you would say the same thing about him if he was your teammate. Oh, exactly. That's right. Well, gentlemen, I believe that is going to wrap up our show. Uh, Tony, did was there anything you wanted to add on any of these UDFAs before we wrap things up? 
Uh, I don't have anything to add. The one thing I do want to say to anybody that's listening out there, make sure you do like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Definitely helps us out. Make sure you join us uh, for any future episodes. Go back and look at the old videos. They're tons of fun. If you want to sit through four and a half hours of the draft, have fun. We'll, we'll be there. It's on YouTube. Uh, and then make sure to follow us all on social media uh, to get the latest Vikings news and updates and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you are a consumer of the show on the audio platforms, uh, preferably if you're an uh, Apple podcast consumer, maybe give us a five-star rating and a review. That would be fantastic. Um, help us keep, keep on growing this thing. And um, so that way more people can get mediocre Vikings content. Um, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's the hope. And, uh, yeah, just appreciate everybody's support. Had a lot of fun over the weekend with, uh, obviously our draft show on Thursday, Daniel talking with me on Friday, and then, uh, some videos we did for day three of the NFL draft as well. Kevin helped as well with that. So, um, and another shout out to Kevin and Tony, by the way, for the, uh, player profiles that we did, uh, for the NFL players, Kevin's top 50, uh, big board. Uh, and Tony putting all those together. Woo! Those, uh, those were awesome. They did really well. Huge part of our growth here on the YouTube channel. Um, so very appreciative of both of them for stepping in with that. So thank you, gentlemen. It's so. my pleasure. And Kevin did all the heavy lifting. I just made it look pretty. <laughs> well, with my face, you had to. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm on radio for a reason, okay? There's no small feat that you... Yeah. Uh, that's right. Well, again, yeah, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review or five-star rating. Uh, we're also on a lot of different podcast platforms now. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on TuneIn. Um, anywhere you get your podcasts, find the Skull Purple Podcast um, as well. And uh, also want to mention, we do have, we're planning on one more episode this week. We are planning to get Thor Nystrom on, uh, Fantasy Pros, um, as well as Draft Pros. Um, he's going to give us his thoughts on the Vikings draft class um, um, this week. And that'll be a bonus episode out later this week and then we are going into an off-season mode if you will quote-unquote off-season mode of the show where we are going to be doing our full audio episodes once every other uh so every other week that's the best way to put it um so we will have content on our youtube channel throughout the off-season every every week but the long-form audio will only be every other week. So this week we'll be off next week and then on off and it might switch up depending on uh, different things, but um, that is the plan. And of course we'll have emergency recordings as needed. Um, if Dalvin cooks traded, Sedaria Smith is traded, the Vikings trade for Patrick Mahomes, whatever happens, you know, uh, something crazy like that uh, or uh or whatever. So do a show if they traded for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 We are yeah. on top of it here. That's right. That's right. So um, that is going to do it. Um, again, uh, thank you to Kevin for 
joining us, Tony, for joining us. And as always, gentlemen, what do we always say? Go. Skull. Skull.